This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Leader. A London doctor has described the NHS as hitting rock bottom as the number of people in England on NHS waiting lists for pre-planned care hit a record 6.1 million. Before coronavirus hit the UK, the number was already at 4.2 million, worsened by the pandemic. Figures from the Press Association show a patient in England has waited almost six years for hospital care and dozens have waited for more than three years. It's forced the NHS to come up with new measures to try and tackle that huge backlog. They include sending people home the same day they receive treatments like hip replacement surgery and setting up mobile scanners in supermarket car parks. But will this be enough to help the NHS achieve its target to ensure patients who've been waiting more than two years for care to be treated by July this year? And what more could the health service do to deal with the long waiting lists? GP Dr Sonia Adasara joins me now to discuss the matter. So, Sonia, what do you make of yet another record being reached for the number of people on NHS waiting lists? It's a it's an awful record. We know the situation in the health service has been getting worse over the past few years. And I think we need to think about behind these numbers, there are real people. Um, so I work in general practice and... And it's awful. Sort of every day I'm speaking to patients. I have patients who have been waiting months, sometimes over a year to get the treatment that they need. And that can have massive impact on their life. I spoke to a gentleman yesterday and, you know, he'd been waiting about eight months to get treatment for his hand condition. And because of the condition in his hands, he couldn't work. He lost his job. He was struggling to financially support his family. He was developing really severe mental health issues and was drinking more alcohol, trying to cope with this. So it was having a huge impact on this gentleman's whole life and that of his family. So it's it can be really devastating for families and for people who are waiting to get the care that they need and that they deserve. And the waiting times have just been getting longer and longer over the past few years. And I was going to ask, you know, what sort of stories have you heard from patients who've been waiting for such a long time for treatment? In your experience, how are people coping with it? 
Yeah, because I think we we use the word sometimes waiting for routine operations or routine appointments. But I think that that undermines the conditions that people have. I have many patients who are living with severe pain, who are living with disability, and their conditions have got worse and their disabilities have got worse and their conditions have progressed and become more severe whilst they're waiting to get the treatment that they need. So it's a real, a real horrific problem. And I see the real impact that has on people and on their quality of life and on their mental health, on their ability to work and the ability to sort of to get out and about, to leave the house. I had a you know elderly gentleman I remember who had just become housebound because his condition had got worse and worse. And um, so this poor man was had just over the past few months not been able to leave the house because his condition had just got worse. And that's something that shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening in the UK. These are people who are becoming sick and becoming disabled. And they shouldn't be. They should be getting the treatment that they need and, and on time. It's just, it's really devastating and, and it's unacceptable and something needs to be done about it. And what impact is this backlog having on doctors and GPs like yourself? I think it's really hard, particularly for, you know, I work in general practice and you feel because you want to do as much as you can for a patient. You want to care for them. You want to look after them. And it's really heartbreaking because they keep coming back to you, you know, every month after a few months saying, please help me. What can I do? But there is you know, there's a limit to what you can do and, and you are referring them for hospital care because they need that specialist care. Um, so it's difficult. And I think it puts a real mental strain, I think, on health workers. When you see patients who are suffering, you see them becoming more sick and you feel like as if nothing is being done about it. And that makes the job of NHS doctors very difficult. But also, you know, I, I really feel for my reception staff as well, who are, you find often that patients are getting, and families are getting increasingly angry, and rightly so, they're not getting the care that they need. And then they're taking it out on, on staff and on the staff in the GP practice. Because, you know, rightly so, people feel angry and upset that their conditions are getting worse and they're not getting the treatment that they need. And so the NHS has announced a few more measures to try and tackle this backlog. Things like screening patients in supermarket car parks and sending people home the same day they receive treatments like hip replacement surgery. Do you think these measures will make a difference? I think those those measures are good, but I think a lot more needs to be done. There are structural issues in the NHS that have been around for years. We've known about this. We've, you know, as you said, these targets have been getting worse year on year on year. It's not just because of COVID. This situation was bad before COVID, and these structural issues need to be addressed. And they have, frankly, they haven't been addressed by this government. So, number one, we have a problem with staffing. This was a problem pre-pandemic, and this is an issue that's got worse post-pandemic. And the government urgently needs to address that. There are staffing shortages across the NHS, across primary care, across secondary care, and across the social care service as well. Secondly, again, we keep coming back to this, but the problem of social care. So I know, you know, I used to work in the hospital and I have many friends that still work in my local hospital and they still have this problem where they can't discharge people because there's not enough capacity in social care. So we really need to address that urgently because this, again, is a growing, worsening problem. And then, yes, we are trying in the NHS to increase capacity, but we are unable to do that. The funding settlement was too short term and we can't make these long term plans about how to increase capacity. But secondly, as well, the lack of staffing means that we can't often do the things that we want to do. So we want to put on extra clinics, we want to do an extra list, extra endoscopy list, do all these things. We need the staff to do that. And you mentioned there a bit about the short-term funding. We know now there has been this hike in national insurance to try to help the NHS with this backlog. How confident are you that it'll be spent in the best way to do that? 
Um, well, I, I guess I hope it's spent in the best way, but I think the track record of this government hasn't been good. You know, we've seen over the past 10 years, and not just on waiting lists, on pretty much every market, if we're looking at cancer target times, if we're looking at any wait times, if we're looking at prognosis for many conditions, things have just got worse and worse and worse over the past 10 years. So, you know, it seems quite frequently we get announcements from the government about promises to try and rebuild our NHS but it often falls short. So I hope that we can see improvements because we are hitting rock bottom now in the NHS and we do need to see those improvements. But I think, you know, many of us, because we've heard these promises repeatedly from this government over the past few years, we are maybe lacking confidence in their ability to, to deliver. And the Health and Social Care Committee released a report earlier this year which raised those issues you mentioned about staffing and how the NHS is sort of on the verge of a staffing crisis. With those committees in government and the likes of Jeremy Hunt raising those issues to the government, does that give you any hope that action will be taken and the NHS will be supported better? Well, the problem is if we can raise it as much as we can, and we have been raising these issues, you know, the health workers, the doctors union, many other unions have been raising these issues for years, and it just feels like we're being ignored. So it's great that people in high places are continuing to raise these issues, but until the government starts to listen, I'm feeling less confident that we'll have any progress. And what else can you tell us, Sonia, about the state of the NHS at the moment from your experience? I had a, a personal story of my one of our family friends. She actually died last week. And it shows a problem that they, they have across the NHS. She was started to get very severe chest pain. Her and her daughter called the ambulance. Two hours later, no ambulance came. She was in really severe chest pain. Her daughter was concerned that she was having a heart attack. She was having a heart attack. It took a few hours before the ambulance came. By the time she got into hospital, she was in heart failure and kidney failure. And then she died a few hours later. And this is just one of many stories where, you know, sadly, you know, I don't know if if she'd had treatment on time, whether she would have survived. But we know with things like heart attacks, with strokes, with many of these conditions, getting treatment on a timely manner can save people's lives. So when we're talking about health, it is for many people, it is a matter of life and death. And that's why I sort of really urgently, you know, asking people in positions of power to, to, to do something and to listen to the calls of health workers and patients who have been complaining and have been telling them about the problems in the health service for many years now, that something needs to be done about it. There's more news, features and interviews in the Evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.